0: Welcome to the Imported Brew Podcast, featuring your host with the flaming red hair, Mike Bruzewitz. Oh my God! In the purple Welcome to the first ever Imported Brew Podcast. Super excited to have you guys here. Uh, we're going to take a look into my life as a professional basketball player what's it like to be this pale sometimes, you know, types of sunscreen that you can best use and, uh, just anything and everything I think of and have that goes on in my head. So without further ado, let's hop right in. Uh, so for those of you guys don't know me, uh, I played professional basketball. This is my fifth season playing professionally, uh, as well as I played four years at the University of Wisconsin-Madison under the angriest, grinchiest, meanest, most badgerous looking head coach of all time, Bo Ryan, and played there for four years, went to two Sweet 16s, won a bunch of games, you know, had some big moments, hit some big shots, had some crazy-ass hair, and generally speaking, had a pretty good time with life. So that's kind of a little bit about me as a basketball player uh, when I was in college. Now my past five years, like I said, I've played playing professionally. Uh, my first year out, I played in Jerusalem, Israel. Second year, I played in Slovenia and Malta. Slovenia sucks. And then I played in Norway, Sweden, and Ventspils. These are the last three seasons I played in. I uh, won MVP in Norway last year. In Sweden, had a good se- had a good year and have been able to bump up. My pay, as well as my level that I've been playing in this year, I played in a European competition called Champions League, similar to the football, actually, sorry, we're in America, we call it soccer, and uh, similar to that, and yeah, I've just had a, had a pretty good career so far, trying to keep building, and yeah, it's April, and I'm freaking excited to go home, because right now I am in the dog days of basketball, And for those of you guys don't know or don't pay that close of attention to NBA basketball, they talk about this all the time. February, March, April, these last three months, they are brutal as a basketball player because you've been, you know, you've been working out, you've been training, you've been practicing and playing games for, you know, the last six or seven months. And you still got three or four, you know, 3 months to go. Once February hits, you got 3 months to go until you even can sniff the playoffs. And honestly, I have played basketball every almost every day since August 15th. And that's not including the time that I had to take to train to get in shape and get ready for this season. So, I've been playing basketball pretty much, you know, practicing hard, playing 5 on 5, weightlifting, doing individual workouts. A lot of times for this team in particular, we, we've been doing two practices a day, so almost five hours a day. Where I'm practicing basketball for eight nine months from now, and I'm gonna let you know something. It gets really long. It gets really really monotonous. It's almost like having you know the same steak and potatoes over and over again, or maybe even less. You know, like you know chicken and broccoli. You know, you got you know chicken and broccoli can be delicious. But if you're on a fitness regiment, man, and you've had chicken and broccoli for, you know, two months, three months, seven, eight months straight, and be honest, that shit's pretty disgusting at that point. You're just, you're not even really excited to eat it anymore. You're just kind of like, man, can I get something new? Can I have somebody give me some freaking popcorn? Maybe a little bit of Szechuan sauce with some chicken nuggets. Dip that stuff in there. You know what I mean? Sorry for Rick and Morty fans. Sejuan sauce apparently isn't that good. So, you know, it gets monotonous and, and games get really boring too. Um, it depends on where you are in the league and sometimes games, you know, if you're fighting for a playoff spot, but teams like mine right now, we're, in, you know, number one in the league and the league I'm playing in sucks. It is awful. And we just uh, we're we're just you know kind of going through the motions right now, and just waiting for playoffs. I'm praying for playoffs to get here. And so for me, you know, you just kind of you kind of get tired of basketball. Also, you get tired of the life. I'm by myself majority of the time. Um, You know, you have teammates, but they're more like coworkers. It's the same thing. You don't always go hang out with them. Some guys got families. You know, some guys have girlfriends, wives kids that come over. Sometimes they just have kids that come with them and, and or, you know, they got girlfriends, wives that are back home and they don't come and travel with them. So it just depends on who you are, but you get really tired of, of not only the season and playing basketball, but you're not really hyper home. You're just in a city. You're, you're a hobo to say the least. You're a vagabond. You just go and find work wherever you can in whatever country and whatever city. And you start to miss a lot of things from home. Like right now I'm craving a, fat delicious piece of pizza also i want some chipotle in my life and some chick-fil-a shit i need to get back to america (laughs) but you know there's certain things that you just start to miss and you know at this point you're just you're ready for playoffs so you can get this season over with and and get home because one thing is is this point in the season everybody's hurt and your body to be quite frank, fucking hates you, like hates you to the point of, you know, like let's say you're out at the grocery store in the town you live in. And, you know, you recently just broke up with your girlfriend because you cheated on her and her mom is walking down the same aisle and sees you and you guys make eye contact. And she knows she knows what happens. And she just gives you the death stare. Like, why would you hurt my baby? That's what your body feels like right now. And that's what my body feels like. And that's what everybody's body feels like. You know, you're lucky if you can get to this point of the season, you haven't been injured. Um, you know, this year I've had some weird injuries, hurt my shoulder in the beginning of the season, broke my nose, had surgery, which was awful. And we'll get into that later. So yeah, it's just, uh, at this point, it's the dog days. And thanks for letting me rant because I've been going a little bit crazy over here. And, uh, yeah, next up, we're going to talk about. How I get jobs, how do I become a professional basketball player? So when I go home to the U.S., I often get asked, how do I find a job in all these countries? You know, do I have to do it on my own? Does somebody work for me? And the answer to that question is I have an agent. And I know what you're thinking. Yes, I do have an agent. Looks just like Ari Gold, he's always got a Bluetooth in his ear. He's got a super gay assistant like Lloyd. And he just berates the hell out of them, just like he does on Entourage. I'm just kidding. None of that actually happens. My agents are just normal, everyday guys. Um, I've had three so far. The one I'm currently working for is a a European guy. He's from Lithuania. His name's Solace. I'm going to be honest. If he's listening, sorry, but he's kind of a nerd. But that's cool with me because so am I. And he does a great job for me. And he works for an agency called Octagon Europe. And... I've had two American agents, and it's similar to how NBA guys work. You know, you you got you know, you got almost every country in the world has basketball. They have a professional league, or at least a semi-professional league, and coaches, GMs, owners, they all work with agents who give these teams players. So for me, you know, I, I work with a European agency now, so it works a little bit differently than it did before when I had an American agent. The way it worked with my American agents is, you know, I would call them up or they would call me up and see, you know, where I wanted to go. And we try and work out a little bit of a plan, but then they would, uh, you know, send out tape, send out my resume, uh, just like any other, you know, any other company, you have a resume, you have a basketball CV and they send it to teams and they would decide if they wanted to sign me or not. And the way it would work with my American agents is they had correspondence or You know, they had a network of other agents that they would work for or work with to try and find me a job. So, you know, they had a guy that was, you know, head of, you know, head of scouting or head of, you know, head agent in, you know, France or maybe in, you know, the southern southern European region. It just depended on where it was. Some countries had their own agents, if they had a big enough and enough leagues. And some countries were kind of grouped into you know, into a mess of things like my agent now, he works for Octagon Europe, but he's him and his partner are the head of the Baltic leagues. So, you know, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, those, those countries up there. He kind of runs everything up there for his department as well as takes care of me. So that's how agents work. And then they work for a percentage. Um, so, you know, it's, it's nice because you want your agents to work for you based off of what you get. So, you know, a standard agent and, agent player contract is usually 10 percent of any european contract and two to four percent of any nba contract those are pretty standard contracts sometimes you get guys that will you know break that a little bit you know the percentages can change just agency to agency but that's pretty standard and that's how my contract works Um, you also only really sign a one-year deal with agents and then depending on what you want to do uh, you can move. You can release them at any time if you don't feel like they're they're doing their best for you, or you want to move in a different direction. Um, it's also a shady game out there, but we'll get into you know how shady the agents are and everything like that uh, in a little bit of a later podcast. And for me, you know, the other one question I guess: How did I, you know, how did I become a professional basketball player? Well, first of all, it started when I was a little kid. And I just you know started to really enjoy basketball. Also, it really helps that I'm a giant fucking human. Being a big human is something that really uh really helps in the basketball world, and it's something that you know always has helped me uh, move move up in the move up in the basketball ranks. You know, when I was going up through high school and college, being a big guy, just a big big old guy is one of those things that you know basketball teams are looking for they need somebody who's giant and you know obviously looks as good as i do for you know publicity things but you know for me it's one of those things that it took a lot of work took a lot of staying inside where definitely you know a redheaded kid should probably stay in the summer you know unless you want to go through thousands of dollars, of sunscreen uh, for me, it was a lot of sacrifice, but it was all worth it in the end. Cause this is exactly what I want to be doing. Um, and this is, you know, how I, how I pay my bills, how I make a living is through professional basketball, which is super cool. And you know, it, it takes a village, obviously growing up, it helps that I had a lot of support from my family, but also it takes a village. Now I get a whole wonderful agency. So there's my plug for you guys. Octagon, you guys are great. Um And all the agents I had before, you know, I had good agents before as well um, that helped me along the way, get me jobs and get me to where I am now. Um, even though, you know, I removed myself or let go of my former two agents. It was mostly just, you know, business related. Uh, and I decided that, you know, most of my jobs are going to be in Europe. So I ended up changing agents the last this last season, um, going from an American agent to a European agent. Not that my American agents did anything wrong. Or didn't do a good enough job. You know, they found me jobs and they did what they were supposed to do. But uh, I felt like this guy had a little more juice uh, and was tired of having the go-between of my American agents would go and talk to the European agents. The European agents would talk to them. And then my American agents would talk to me. It was a big game of telephone. And I just said, fuck it. I'm over it. <laughs> and, yeah. And so now we're going into the third and final segment, uh, what's going to be called Culture Dives. So that's coming up next. All right. So we're in the last segment of this podcast. I'm going to try and keep it pretty short and sweet. Most of my, my goals are to have this, you know, be 15 to 20 minutes, not take a bunch of your time, give you some short excerpts of what's going on in my daily life. Also, I just can't talk for that long. I just, it's weird. So the last segment I'm going to get into, it's going to be called Culture Dives. And what I really want to accomplish here is, is uh, just some fun stories and or fun things that I can kind of get into because I have had a pretty interesting life. You know, I'm going to self-promote myself a little bit here, pat myself on the back. I've done some cool shit. I've had a cool life. I've traveled around. I've lived in six countries in the last five years. Um, You know, I've gotten to see some things that a lot of people haven't really seen. I've experienced some things that not everybody has. And the way culture dives are going to work is I'm going to get a question from one of our listeners out there and and hopefully you guys can come up with some good questions uh week to week podcast to podcast we're gonna you know come up you know i'm gonna pick my favorite question and this is what's gonna happen i'm gonna you know dive in maybe give you a story maybe give you a little excerpt about how a country works or you know some weird shit that they do or some weird stuff they eat how they dance uh maybe a crazy story of you know when i was hanging out in a different country in a different bar and some wild things have happened to me. Um, you know, the time I, me and my best friend drove through Israel and, and, you know, decided to ignore signs that said they can kill us, all that stuff. So that's what we're going to get into. And without further ado, culture dives, right? Freaking excited. So the first question for our annual culture dives is from Melvin Middlesack from Warland, Wyoming. Alright, Melvin, you sound old as shit. I'm gonna be honest. Melvin's an old man name. I hope, you know, you didn't attach your age to this question, but whatever. And you sound like an old creep, but I'm gonna answer it anyway, because it was a great, great question. Is, what's it like to try and pick up girls in a foreign country? Well, thank you, Melvin Middlesack! Uh, for the question, and honestly, it just depends. Trying to pick up women in different countries, uh, can be fun. It can be really, really challenging. Uh, it just depends on which country you're in. Some countries, as you'll know, if, for those who have traveled around, some countries speak English very, very well. It's, you know, they 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 take great pride in being able to speak English. You know, a majority of them are fluent. And I've had a lot of countries where that's not a problem. Um, you know, Israel was one of them. Uh, a lot of people spoke English very well there. You know, Israelis take great pride in being able to speak English well. And so you could at least communicate with them. And that was an interesting place because women in, in Israel are tough. They spend two years in the military. And honestly, I dated a few Israelis and they feel like every girl, almost every girl I dated pretty much to a T felt like she could kick my ass. So that was uh, that was an interesting, interesting place. Um, but it's just like any other place, you know, it's just you know, you're going to try and talk to them. And if they speak English, cool, but it's also a little bit tricky because, you know, spitting game in English to another English speaker who is native, you know, comes from the same culture. You can change your game. You can have some cultural references in there. You can make some you know subtle jokes, whereas when you do it in a foreign country, you kind of got to you kind of keep it a little more bland. You got to try and find some more common grounds with them. Uh, You know, you don't have the same cultural norms. And same, you know, cultural subset of references to go back. You know, that's part of the thing of being funny is having the same references and reference points. So for trying to pick up girls in a different country, it can be really challenging. You know, I've been in other countries. Um, you know, Norway was one that was great. I actually dated a Norwegian girl for a, about a year and a half. And, you know, Norway was great because girls there speak English fluently. Um, also, you know, Norway's the capital of one night's dance. You know, fun little fun facts. It's not what happened with me and my lady friend, but you know it's one of those things. Uh, as well as Sweden, you know Sweden they speak really good, really good English. Uh, when I lived in Malta, you know it's a used to be an English proverb, so English is you know one of the main languages. Uh, Maltese is kind of a dying language there. Slovenia, I only went out there a couple of times, and it was challenging. Not everybody spoke English, and there it's more of like an Eastern Bloc kind of country. Um, And then, you know, out here in Latvia, quite a few people speak English, to be honest with you, Um, but it's not, they're not quite as fluent as the other countries I've been to. And then the other thing too is is certain countries have some norms where, you know, girls will go up to guys and those countries are great. You know, I haven't been to Croatia, but I do know that, you know, in Croatia, that girls are, are quite aggressive. And, you know, sometimes in the Czech Republic, I've heard the same things. Um, you know, in Norway, girls can go up to guys quite often just because, you know, Norwegian men are shy little Nancy pantses, (laughs) but it it just depends. depends on the country. Some, you know, some cultural norms come into play there. A lot of times, you know, some places are very, very modern and women will come and talk to you and it's cool. And uh, some places you're going to have to, you know, suck it up and go and talk to them and figure that out so i've been out out and about in a lot of places around the world and it just depends country to country on how to talk to girls and and how to try and pick up women there and sometimes you're successful sometimes you're not um but it's always a good time you know generally speaking going out people want to have fun people want to laugh even if you don't understand their language even if you don't understand you know what they're doing most people are very good natured and are just there to have a good time and on this earth to have a good time so That's your culture dive for the day. Thank you, Melvin Middlesack. God, that's a rough name. From Worland, Wyoming. Didn't know you could listen all the way out in Wyoming. But uh, have a good day, guys. This is the Imported Brew Podcast signing off.